The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to E-Commerce Playbook Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to go through the playbook to grow your e-commerce brand using the best of today's landscape. Joining us today is Devon Carlson-Smith, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Finch, which empowers e-commerce companies to grow revenue and reach through access to their strategic services and advertising management platform. Finch helps e-commerce company clients define their business goals, automate their spend across channels, optimize campaigns at a granular level, and access actionable cross-platform reports to drive growth and revenue across Google, Microsoft, Amazon, DSPs, and Facebook. They are also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast, so we're excited to have them as our guests today. And for our first installment of e-commerce playbook week, Deborah and I are going to walk through how you can understand today's e-commerce landscape. All right, here's the first installment of e-commerce playbook week with Deborah Carlson Smith, Chief Strategy Officer at Finch. Deborah, welcome to the Martech Podcast. How are you, Ben? Thank you for having me. Excited to have you as a guest. We've been dancing around each other for <laughs> I don't know a couple of weeks, couple of months now, and finally we get to talk about what the real real is for the e-commerce playbook in 2021. Thanks for coming on the show. You got it. I mean, things are moving so fast out there. You can imagine that each week that goes by, something new is happening. So you got to stay up on it, right? There's a lot of moving pieces today in MarTech and specifically in e-commerce between third-party tracking cookies and updates 14.5 with our advertising stuff. There's privacy concerns. And then there's just the growing changes in where you can go and sell your product. So first off, Tell us a little bit about your experience so the listeners understand where you're coming from. Sure. I've always been excited about this space. Part of the benefit of being our age, Ben, is looking back over the last 20, 25 years or so and kind of seeing the cycles repeating themselves. And it's exciting to see that as an online retailer, it's probably some of the best time to be trying to sell product online just because of the maturity of the market space and what's happened in the last 20 plus years. My background at Microsoft for a long time, and also prior to that, really spending some time in the telco world 20 years ago when e-commerce was just coming out. And you you saw a lot of the early stage developments was around business-to-business e-commerce. The idea that, you know, I'm not sure if it was the first, whether we were selling business-to-business first or whether it was direct-to-consumer, 
but businesses were jumping on board, you know, 20 plus years ago. I worked at a telco at the time. They were a multi-global organization and they were ultimately trying to move their procurement online to try and move hundreds of millions of dollars through an e-commerce portal type engine. And, you know, it's certainly clunky back then, late 90s, nobody knew which way it was going to go. But I got the bug and I could see that if this was working for B2B organizations where they were effectively selling anything they could as part of their procurement process, then would it cross over into the consumer market? Looking back 20 years from then, we certainly can see that this has become a massive space and is only getting bigger. So I got really excited about it back then. And I've just been more enthralled as we move forward because now in today's environment, you wouldn't think about running a business without having an online channel to do anything. You know, I come at this from a little bit of a different perspective. My background in e-commerce was on the B2C or, or D2C side. In some cases, having worked at eBay in sort of the formational time of e-commerce and there was trust issues which no longer exist. Why would I give a website my credit card was the big problem. And now we've moved from, you know, I'll never buy clothes online to why would I bother to go into a store? I could just get it delivered to me. So it's interesting to think about some of the transitions we've gone through. Let's sit the table here and talk about the brief history. You mentioned that there were some cycles in patterns in e-commerce. I actually think that e-commerce has kind of continued to develop and evolve. Where do you see there being repeating patterns in the e-commerce landscape? Well, firstly, once we got consumers comfortable with the purchasing process online, we started to break in through to new categories, which I think became really paramount. Nowadays, you think about the categories where you might spend money and time with e-commerce, and it's everything from grocery to sports equipment to digital goods. But early on, they weren't really sure which products we should be selling online. Is it something that you would normally go to a store to get, or is it something that's only available in an online purchase pattern? So the cycles that we're seeing are this evolution of once a balloon expanded, it never regains its original shape. And I like to think that we would have never thought that some of the categories would have come out of the marketplace and are now commonplace to buy online. Would you ever buy a bed online 10, 15 years ago or a house or a car? Some of these categories have basically pushed the envelope where we now have consumer trust and we had convenience and new categories are opening. So I'm starting to see this test and learn cycle where nobody would go there. Now, all of a sudden, they're feeling comfortable. Yeah, it's interesting. I think of even some of the more controversial goods of being fair game in e-commerce. You look at drugs and alcohol. Yeah, right. Right. Local services. I don't walk down to Walgreens. I have Walgreens walk to me. Everything from your local restaurant, DoorDash and Postmates and all of those services as well used to be the things that you would least want to have an e-commerce experience. Now we just rely on them on a daily basis. Talk to me about today's landscape. This is kind of the golden age of e-commerce. How much expansion do you think is left? Are we in the heyday? Is there still room to grow? Well, let's take a look at some of the numbers, which I think are fascinating. Firstly, 50% of e-commerce right now is happening on mobile phones, which I think is astounding. But then again, considering how powerful they are, probably not that astounding. What's more remarkable has been the transition that we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months with regard to the acceleration through what's obviously COVID has related. But this idea that in 2018, the consumers were spending about $523 billion online in shopping. 
In 2019, that number was $598 billion. But in 2020, consumers spend $861 billion, which is roughly a 44% increase. Which is roughly all of the money. It kind of blows me away. And obviously, it's because everyone was at home and they couldn't go out to do something. But again, once people break these habits to say, hey, Walgreens is going to deliver to my house. Kroger is going to come to my house. I'm going to get dog food. I'm going to get everything I can delivered. We've broken into a new category, which I think we're not going back to. And that's the golden age. I'm not going to lie. I look for excuses to leave the house and I struggle (laughs) with them because I also like buying stuff on Amazon and just having it show up. It's like you get a present every day. It creates interesting challenges for marketers now where virtually all of the product consumption or product acquisition, the e-commerce transactions are happening online, which means I assume that most of your advertising is happening online. Talk to me about some of the CMO's challenges when it comes to today's landscape in marketing. Look, this is an ever-changing landscape, and it's probably most paramount on the minds of CMOs right now who are trying to figure out, look, this runaway train is not going back into the station. They have to get part of this, and they have to figure out their businesses to make sure that they can capitalize and are doing the best they can, right? Interesting statistic was that of all the online commerce that we saw, the 860-odd billion dollars that was being spent, Amazon accounted for about a third of that which is an interesting number because it's actually down from what it was the year before. So they lost market share in a growing e-commerce COVID year. Now, what does that say to me? That says to me that there are new alternative channels out there that consumers are buying from. Amazon's still a fantastic place to sell. 45% of all products get searched first on Amazon, and that's not going away. But if you're a brand and you're selling product, is Amazon your answer? Is Google Shopping your answer? Is your own website your answer? And what ends up happening from a marketer standpoint is we're thrown into this highly complex landscape whereby a CMO is trying to figure out what to do. So give me an example of a frequent situation that we hear of. So CMOs are oftentimes sitting at the board level seats. They are being asked to recount two parts of their equation. One, what is it that we can do to grow our business? How do we get a 30% year-over-year growth or 100% year-over-year growth? And secondly, here's a bucket of money. And if I were to give you this amount of $10 million to grow the business, how would that CMO spend the dollars? And this is a common challenge that they're sitting there deciding, all right, now I've got this dollars. Where do I spend my budget? How do I measure what is working? What's the best distribution between an in-house team, an agency, and going with a marketplace directly? How do I think about optimizing my campaign versus the business goals that we're trying to achieve? And quite frankly, they're sitting there asking for help because the starting point is, let's create a website that can transact and let's find some audience. Now, the challenge is what happens in between? We call that the kind of e-commerce wilderness. It needs some definition. It needs an organizing principle. It needs some structure and CMOs are looking for help. I think that the way that you broke it down is really smart where 
the CMO who's working in e-commerce today is fighting a multi-front war. They're deciding between which marketplaces to be, which advertising channels they need to invest in. Are they focusing on promoting marketplace growth or their own websites? And then there's also the resource allocation issue. Am I taking money, putting into media? Am I putting it into advertising? Am I hiring an agency or consultants or experts to help me allocate my budget and spend it appropriately? There's lots of different ways to skin a cat. I think that when we think about today's landscape, in one way, I think that e-commerce has gotten easier. You can get started quickly. The barriers to entry in e-commerce and even some of the barriers to scale aren't what they used to be. The, the platforms have matured to the point now where you can run a successful and scale a successful e-commerce business without a ton of capital and resources up front. And the problem is anybody can start an e-commerce company. So even if you are the CPG companies, you're getting picked apart. You know, it's death by a thousand cuts. Every single one of your product has a challenger brand that is just focusing on that. So it makes defending your turf increasingly difficult. Think about the numbers. In the top 10 business markets for online brands that sell between $1 and $100 million worth of goods, there are 138,000 companies online selling right now. So exactly to your point, if you're the big CPG brand and you sell everything and there's one guy that's just doing shaving cream or toothpaste, you are constantly fighting these off. And being the incumbent makes it incredibly challenging. I think if you get back to your earlier point about how do you allocate resources and how do you think about this, there's a debate going on internally within organizations to say, okay, it's incredibly easy to get started. You no longer need to create a server farm to be able to sell online. Instead, you can basically go with Shopify, get a product catalog built in, and you're up and transacting in relatively zero time. Flip side of that is now I've got to figure out how do I actually identify my audience and my customers. So while the barrier to entry has been lowered, what has replaced that is a level of science and complexity that marketing teams haven't had to spend as much time learning as they've had in the past. So as a result, you're seeing a lot more effort put into these performance marketing groups. It's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to dig in about e-commerce this week is I do think that in e-commerce, it is exceedingly becoming a marketing and a MarTech-specific challenge that we're all facing to be successful. So we're going to dive into more of the playbook for how to be successful in e-commerce the rest of this week talking about some sustainable growth strategies, giving some practical tactics, talking a little bit about the MarTech stack, and then predicting the future. And that's what we're going to cover the rest of the week. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Devon Carlson-Smith, the Chief Strategy Officer at Finch. If you'd like to hear more of Devon and Finch's tips for driving e-commerce success, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about creating a sustainable growth strategy for your e-commerce business. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Devrin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Devrin, D-E-V-R-I-N, or you could visit his company's website, which is finch.com, F-I-N-C-H.com. 
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.